2: Hello tech fans and welcome in to episode 135 of the tech sideline podcast originating from TSL's high tech studios in the Virginia tech corporate research center. We've got a busy but great show planned for you today as we get you prepared for Virginia Tech's season opener this Saturday against North Carolina state. It's all coming up on the tech sideline podcast that gets started right now. And with that, we welcome you back in episode 135 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, watching archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast, or on Stitcher, we are so glad that you could join us today as we record on Wednesday, September 23rd. We've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman, with us, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Gentlemen, great to be with you. Good morning. Chris Coleman, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, excited to finally be, we think, playing a football game. Excited to have some some game content to grind out, right? Yeah, I'm really hoping
1: I don't write my game preview today for nothing.
0: <laughs> like Once
1: I get that preview written, you better play you better play i hope for uh, your sake I mean,
0: too, take, take that mic and pull it up a little a Little there you go um
2: i hope that that gets out on the website too will I, I know you're hoping that we have uh football this weekend right
0: yes because i think we're all going to go insane if we don't and and you know we're going to talk about it here in a minute but i but i think that I'll, I'll, I'll put that comment aside we'll wait until we actually talk about chances to play and all that so a couple of house cleaning items i wanted to go through before we get started uh I submitted the podcast to Amazon Music. So Amazon Music has added podcasts, and they emailed me and said, do you want to submit your podcast? And I said yes, and I don't know if it's up there or not. It, it may. It takes a while for them to verify that I can actually do that and all that. So uh, face masks that we're wearing today, I want to thank uh, Hal Byers for sending those to us. Um, so I appreciate it, Hal. And uh, we got a shipment of grit gear. Finally, we got it in. We got new hats and we got some T-shirts. I got a T-shirt sitting over here next to me. We'll get into those guys a little bit later. And this very cool shirt that I'm wearing from Campus Emporium, we'll talk about that a little later as well. And so we're just basically going through the sponsors and everybody else. um, So shout out also to the Southeast Regional Training Center and uh so let's with that let's segue into talking about Jonathan Fisher
2: of course uh this week and every week the tech sideline podcast is presented by the Fisher law firm Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, and to date, the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free. 1-800-680-7031 is the number. That's 1-800-680-7031. Or email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com. So...
0: Thank you, Jonathan. And today I woke up with a song in my head like like we do almost every day. <laughs> and so I thought we would revisit song lyrics because we haven't done song lyric in a long time. Um, I think this one's probably pretty easy. Uh might even be in Chris uh, Chris Coleman's wheelhouse. Um, I'm not going to say how old Chris was when this song came out, but, uh, you know, he he would have been listening to popular music back then. Let's just put it that way. So the lyric is... I could tell she liked me from the way she stared and the way she said, "You missed a spot over there." Don't blurt it out. I don't know it. You so, don't know it. No. Nah. I could tell she <laughs> liked me from the way she stared and the way she said, "You missed a spot over there."
2: I'm still waiting for the day I nail one of these tried these. Uh, I mean, I'm sure lyrics. I know the
1: song. I just
0: you do.
2: I don't. I don't like.
1: Uh, I like a certain small little section of music that I really really like. Oh, we did Blink One
0: Eighty Two uh, lyrics for you. One yeah, time. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And we have uh, a trivia question today, right?
0: We do, we do. Let's let's get to that later. And so, have you got it marked down to get to that later? I, on? I do. We can get it's to that little be little rated. later. Yep. There are no prizes. When I was a kid growing up reading comic books, uh, Marvel Comics used to do a thing they called a no prize. And if you caught an error in one of their comic books, they would uh, they would uh, talk about it. In uh, Stanley used to do a thing called Stanley's Soapbox, and in, in every Marvel Comics, and he would talk about just stuff. After a while, it turned into him pimping products and new product lines and things like that. But, but when he first started, he would actually talk about stuff. And I remember reading a random early 1970s comic book where he said something like, oh, I was speaking to students at Virginia Polytechnic University the other day. And I was just like, wow. So he, he made an appearance at Virginia Tech in the uh, probably early 70s. So anybody lurking on Facebook, Facebook can tend to be an older demographic. If you if you were there when Stan Lee was uh, visiting Virginia Tech, let us know about it. So, also if you know the lyric, let us know about it. And Malcolm, so keep an eye out for those things.
2: So we'll have the song lyrics and the Facebook comment section. Of course, your questions throughout the podcast, and a little bit later we'll get to a trivia question, which we'll talk about towards the end of the show. So
0: yeah, nothing major, just something I noticed this morning.
2: Episode one hundred thirty-five of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Again, it's game week. Virginia Tech hosting North Carolina State this weekend. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. We're going to talk about different position groups for Virginia Tech, a season outlook. We're going to preview the North Carolina State game again, all that and more coming up today. But we begin with this question. So Justin Fuente had his weekly press conference on Monday. He talked about how the Hokies hope to play and that they will not have a full roster. Chris, I asked you this last podcast to start off the show. I'll do it again this week. How confident are you that Virginia Tech plays this Saturday against North Carolina State? I I
1: guess last week I was maybe 50-50, and it kind of seemed like Fuente was that way too. Right now I'm about 75% confident that they play on Saturday. Uh, They test three times this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They got their – this mask is very hard to control for some reason. Uh, They got their Monday test done – and apparently, from everything I understand, they went pretty well. Uh, they test again today, and then they test again on Friday. So the further we get through this week, the less likely it becomes that the, that the game is canceled, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you if I had to bet right now, I would say they, they will play on Saturday.
2: Will, how confident are you?
1: Uh, I would echo that. Um, you know, I, I think at this
0: point, My opinion is uh, that—so we're we're doing Wednesday morning, and they're going to do a test at some point on Wednesday, and they'll get the results back from that on Thursday. Um, Let's assume that today's tests go well. I think at that point, the only thing that would cause Virginia Tech to not play would be uh, getting a position group uh, unexpectedly severely damaged by Friday's test. So to get into—I know one of the things you wanted to talk about today were were the testing protocols— And what the ACC requires is that you test three times a week, that one of the tests is 48 hours after your most recent game, within 48 hours of your most recent game. And once Tech starts playing, that will be the Monday test. And then uh, you have another test during the week for Virginia Tech. That's Wednesday. And then there is a test on the day before the game, which in Virginia Tech's case will always be Friday. Every game is scheduled for a Saturday this year. And that test, the test, the day before the game, is done by an independent testing group, an outside group. It's not done by the schools themselves. So you get the results of those back on Saturday morning, and then you make a go, no-go decision. And as we talked about on the last podcast, there is an attestation document that the uh, team medical officer, in this case I think it's Mark Rogers for Virginia Tech, will sign. And I think the athletic director might also have to sign it. So, they basically huddle on Saturday morning, look at the results from Friday, and make a go no go decision.
2: So, if the Hokies are able to play this weekend against North Carolina State, and like you guys said, it's trending upwards right now and looking good. Chris, this is a team that since the UVA cancellation, there have been players in quarantine, there have been players out during contact tracing. What is this week of, of practice like for Virginia Tech leading up to this game, and, and how difficult is it uh, for some players that are going to play on Saturday who might not have had a full couple of weeks to practice?
1: It's going to be very difficult on those players. Um, they, they might play, but they're not going to be ready. That's, that's just the simple fact of the matter. Um, practice, Justin Fuente said on Tech Talk Live on Monday, he said practice has been an hour and 20 minutes a day with a skeleton crew and i can guarantee you they've been doing little to no hitting because when you don't know who you're going to have available for a game already due to contact tracing or covet or whatever you do not want to compound the matter by getting everybody else hurt mm-hmm. so in my opinion virginia Tech is probably physically not going to be ready to c- compete at a high level this saturday uh we'll talk about this more later but it's very possible that just it just doesn't go well for Tech because they're not going to be ready. I mean, look what happened to Navy in their first game, yeah. when they hadn't hit anybody. You know, it took them it took Navy six quarters, six quarters to be ready. Like they were losing at halftime this past weekend. They finally got it in gear in the second that's half. Right, and that's one. right. Yeah, the big big comeback um, against Tulane, right? It, right. Yeah. So it's it's not. Virginia Tech has certainly done more hitting than Navy did, of course. They, did, they didn't do any contact drills at all. But, you know, Virginia Tech has had so few players available that I seriously doubt they've done any hitting or scrimmaging or, or anything like that. Um, they've they've done past skeletons. They've done conditioning. Things like that. But it's not football.
0: A lot of, a lot of film study. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, your hope is that uh, with all that, that being true, um, that You know, that the the start may be a little rough, but that the guys pick it up and get into the flow by, you know, hopefully at least halftime, you know. So that's kind of our, our mindset going in.
2: Well, and the quarterbacks have a lot of experience going into the season opener. That's where we begin as we take a look at each position group here on episode 135 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're going to whip around, go around each position group, get you prepared for the season opener. Then we'll talk about North Carolina State and what the uh, Wolfpack bring to the table a little bit later in the podcast. So starting with quarterbacks, we spent a good amount of time last week talking about Braxton Burmeister and Hendon Hooker. There will be a quarterback rotation. You've got Quincy Patterson in the mix as well. When you look at this quarterback room, how confident are you that this group is going to be able to lead the offense this year?
1: Well, we've said from the very beginning that it's always good to have multiple quarterbacks who are capable of helping you win that's certainly true this year uh i think it's uh without saying too much it's going to be certainly true in week one uh the virginia tech has uh has good quarterback depth it's very very important this week <laughs> um i'm good with that group as a whole um people worry about quincy patterson's development i don't think there's very many third string quarterbacks in the country as good as quincy patterson when you look at it that way that that that's a good thing is it isn't it uh I've heard NC State is not happy with their quarterbacks. I know Hockman played fairly well. He played okay yeah. against Wake Forest, but I think the pass, the success he found in the passing game, was due to the fact that they rushed for 270 yards and their running backs were so effective. And I also don't think Wake is any good at all. Um, so I actually think that Quincy Patterson would start for Wake, or excuse me, for uh, for, for NC State, State. right? Hmm. Um, so I feel so yeah I feel good about text quarterbacks this year I, I sometimes worry about who they're going to throw the ball to um but as far as the quarterbacks themselves I feel fine feel really good about them
0: yeah um I don't know I'll go ahead and put it out there the uh because it's starting to make message boards and social media and that kind of thing the rumor is that uh Hendon Hooker will not be available and that Braxton Burmeister will get the start and and I'm fine with that um you ask you, you ask about uh you know this these this quarterback group being 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 able, being able to lead this team the way i would phrase it is i feel comfortable that the coaching staff can come up with a good effective game plan for for whoever is the starting quarterback i mean they they almost beat Notre Dame on the road with Quincy Patterson last year the, this coaching staff can coach um and and we have heard, and we I think we've said this on the podcast that Hendon uh, is ahead in the passing game, that Burmeister is is, is a better in the running game, and that's saying something because Hendon's pretty good in the rushing game. It's not like he's uh, he's it's no not slouch. like he's run, like Ryan Willis was not good in the running game. Um, and that's Ryan like, Willis
1: could run, he will, but he wasn't good he in the he running. Could
0: not game. execute the yeah. read option well or consistently. Um, whereas that's not true of Hendon Hooker. So to say that Braxton Burmeister is better in the rush game, that that's encouraging. And I think that whoever they have to put out there Saturday, I, I think that they can adjust the game plan. They don't have to adjust the offense, as we've talked about, just the game plan. So,
2: so I know I know it's tough to predict how the rest of the season is going to go. I know it, towards the end of the podcast, I'm going to ask you guys for a prediction of the season record, but and we're not going to give it to you. But go ahead. <laughs> there's your pre- <laughs> Um When you look at this quarterback room, though, specifically with Burmeister and Hooker, when the season is over. What quarterback do you think we're talking about more come November, December?
1: Wouldn't shock me if we were talking about him equally. Um, and here's the thing. What if Burmeister goes out there and absolutely lights it up? Yeah, I mean, tears it up. What if he got goes out there and completes 70% of his passes for 300 yards and four or five touchdowns? And he's good in the running game, right? Like, Hooker's good, but he was never that good last right. year, right? right. Yeah, he never put up those kind of numbers. So I don't know. I hope Burmeister does a great job. Um, I'm not going to judge him if he doesn't. I wouldn't ju- judge Hendon Hooker if he doesn't. If he didn't do a good job this week, um, I've heard Hooker will be available. They're just not going to. I don't think they're going to play him because I mean he comes back like on Thursday or Friday, I think, yeah. and that's just not enough time. If he's been out ten to fourteen days or whatever, he's Lost some timing with his receivers, um, and he just hasn't been there on a daily basis to get the stay in rhythm, and that's very important for a quarterback. It is. So if if you feel like your quarterbacks are pretty even, which you know Fuente clearly feels, then you start the one who's been practicing. Um, But yeah, I mean, we could be conceivably be talking about either one of them at at the end of the year, Um, and that that starts this week, man. If Burmeister goes out and lights it up, there are going to be a lot of people calling for him to be the starter. And at the same time, if he doesn't play well, there are going to be people saying, no, oh, he shouldn't be playing at all. Like, Hooker should, once he's back, should should get 100% of the snaps. And that won't be a fair assessment because I don't think you can judge anybody on this weekend's game. Hmm. Because we don't, we don't. I mean, we don't even know who Braxton Vermeister's been throwing to in practice. If they've had a skeleton crew as far as the whole team goes, I'm gonna imagine that each position is its own little skeleton crew. Well, was he get three wide receivers in practice? Four? I mean. Can they even uh, run a
0: full offense at times? We have heard that the running back group got a little thin at some point, that they were down to three guys, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah, to, to your point. Um, but but Chris is always making the point that whoever the quarterback is, this coaching staff is good at getting good production out of him. Right. The one exception was Ryan Willis at the beginning of last year. Um, not uh, not really going well, but, uh, you know, this coaching staff got good production out of Josh
1: Jackson. Mm-hmm.
0: A guy Josh is a
1: mediocre talent.
0: Yeah, you know, and and Josh had a, a good guy. We like Josh, but you know, he went to Maryland and was was pretty bad last year. After after a hot start, he tailed way off. I looked at his stats; and yeah, it was, it was awkward, bad. Man. Yeah. So so these guys can can yeah. can get good production out of their quarterbacks.
1: They, they they get them, and that goes back to when you know Fuente was at TCU when they were at Memphis. Like like even that guy that started for them. His first year at Memphis, the guy had no talent at all, yeah. and, he and and f- quit football s- the year after that. I think uh, he's a lawyer now. I know that, <laughs> but uh, the guy somehow they got him to only throw three interceptions all year. Yeah, I mean it was it was amazing. So whatever issues Willis had last year was a Willis thing because yeah. Willis is the only quarterback in their history to not get better to not improve. Well, and he, and actually he, he had worse. injury
0: issues that I think he was, he was hiding from the coaching staff. I think That, he that, what, that, what yeah, that, that certainly out. could be
1: part All of right. it. Yeah. So
2: well. Ryan Wills was a Kansas Jayhawk, and the Hokies have another transfer from Kansas. He is listed as the starting running back on the depth chart as we transition from the quarterback room to the running back room. He's Khalil Herbert, graduate student from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The running back depth chart right now is Herbert, Blackshear, and then the or Jalen Holston, and Kashawn King. Will, when you look at the depth in this running back room, is it fair to say this is the most depth that Justin Fuente has had at running back since he's been here at Tech?
0: Uh going in the season, I think so. You know, well, I, I don't know, let me qualify that. So, uh, I, I like Herbert's size, 5'9, 212. That's shades of uh, Stephen Peoples who I don't I don't remember. Stevens exact exact height and weight but
1: yeah it, similar body styles I would say yeah yeah
0: you know and they list Raheem Blackshear second at the running back spot but you know we we think we're going to see him in the slot a lot we, we think he's going to move around a lot so do you really qualify that as running back depth you know I don't, I don't know um, Jalen Holston has has not really been able to to stay on the field for extended periods of time uh, uh, due to injury because King, we we don't know how much we're going to play him. He came back light. He came back at 175. So just because you have a lot of names listed at the position doesn't mean you have a lot of depth, and and we'll make that determination once we start watching games and see who they rotate in.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, There's a lot of names. I completely trust Khalil Herbert, and I completely trust Raheem Blackshear, even though I've never seen him play in a Virginia Tech uniform. Uh, Holston has been hurt his entire career. He was a guy with, with a good offer list, was a good recruit, but he's been hurt his whole career. Kashawn yeah. uh, King was 180 pounds last year, reported back in August at, 100, at under 170, and is now back up to 175. Uh, let's face it, th- th- this is a guy who missed the Notre Dame game last year, because he skipped practice to hang out with his girlfriend. That was the heavy, That's heavy, heavy rumor. Yeah. And now he comes back at the age of 19 years old, and he's lost weight. And you should not be losing weight when you're 19 years old if yeah. you're doing things right. So, because Sean's got to show me a little more that he's dedicated to being a big-time college football player. I think he's got a lot of talent. I don't know that the rest of it's there for him to, to – find his ceiling so yeah. to speak i think that's, uh, i think that's fair um it sounds I, harsh but i think it sounds fair. harsh but uh, it is what that, i'm not i'm not telling if i was his coach that's what i'd be telling him right right um i'm not, not i'm not gonna say anything about a player that i wouldn't say to them if i was their coach um so yeah so yeah to me it's an unproven group now i do think with herbert and blackshear I think both guys are better than any running back Tech has had in in the Fuente era. Um, And I like Stephen Peoples. He he was a good player. Trayvon McMillan was good sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think the top two are better than anybody we've had during the Fuente era. Um, uh, But the overall depth past those guys, I don't
2: know. I think it's fairly questionable. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to talk about Khalil Herbert for a quick second because I feel like we've talked a lot more about Raheem Blackshear and rightfully so, what he can do on offense, being versatile, running back and receiver. But here's a guy who ran for nearly two thousand yards at Kansas in his career. Is is he somebody who could be a hundred yard rusher? You think in this offense?
1: Absolutely. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: you know, I saw the question asked on social media: Will Virginia Tech have a thousand yard rusher for the first time in a while? Uh, who was the last one? did uh, did mcmillan, Trey, was McMillan in, did in 2015? Did he, 2015 yeah. but not 2016 correct yeah yeah i think we're gonna have to swap these masks out during the break <laughs> <laughs>
1: they keep falling off they certainly look good they, they, are they look great they just don't if you keep them on for a long amount of time they don't stay on top of your nose
0: well i didn't shave so as it slides down it catches on the beard and stays there there's no sliding oh, no. up here it's all sliding down um so uh 100 yards a game sure you know, it's it's that 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 hasn't been how Fuente rolls, you know. But uh, as Chris pointed out, I'm not sure he's had this available at the top two. Soldiers.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot of times he's had guys. He's played a lot of guys because nobody separated themselves to a certain extent, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steven Peoples got a lot of carries. Steven Peoples would have been a 1,000-yard rusher, in my opinion, if we hadn't been been behind by 30 points in a lot of games and we started throwing Oof. the ball all over the field. Yeah. So I mean, it's, Peoples had a good
0: year. So if you wind up with Burmeister getting all the snaps or most of the snaps on Saturday and you wind up emphasizing the rushing game more, you might wind up with a running back with, with uh, 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't speak to a thousand. I don't know about that. I, I
1: can't I can't wait to play Boston College with these running backs because Herbert rushed for like two hundred yards on them. And then Raheem Blackshear, didn't he catch like nine passes for hundred and sixty or seventy yards against him?
0: Right. So Uh-oh.
1: so <laughs> we just we couldn't do anything against B C last year with a running back position, so we just we just signed the two grad transfers <laughs> that destroyed him. <them. laughs> yeah.
2: Great. So the, the running back room is certainly going to be a lot of fun to watch, especially with those two. Uh, the receiving core, there's a lot of talent there, of course, headlined by Trey Turner. You've got Tavion Robinson. Uh, but with the Jordan, uh, Jane Payute injury, we talked about on the last podcast some guys who can step up. I want to focus on Trey Turner for a second. You know, last year it was it felt like it was Turner and Hazleton at the top part of that wide receiver depth chart. It feels like this is Trey Turner's team. Uh, Receiving core. This is his unit. Uh, how do you think he will react to being the number one guy on tax receiving core?
1: <laughs> Hopefully, he reacts well because he's gonna have to. Because besides besides him and Davion Robinson, I just there's just a whole lot of unknown here. Um, Evan ferris grad transfer from Kansas. I think he can be a solid player, but I, I don't think he's like a special talent or anything like that. He can fill a role. Um, Changa Hodge, I think, is good, but he's still unproven. Daryl Simmons is on here, but you know we hear Simmons is hurt and is going to miss the first part of the yeah, season. Yeah,
0: he's listed second at, the, at one of the uh, right. uh, behind Turner.
1: Yeah, now Turner was a four-star recruit. Turner picked Virginia Tech over Florida State and some other major programs. So, and he, I thought, I thought he was great as a freshman um, two years ago. Last year, I wouldn't. It's not. I don't think I'd say he took a step back, but he. He didn't take the step forward that you, that you would have expected, uh, and it's it's time to see that step forward this season. Um,
0: I, I think Trey's got a. I think Trey really likes playing the game, you know, playing the game of football. I, I, I'm not there in practice, of course. I can't speak to his leadership capabilities. I just know what I see from the outside, and from the outside, he seems to have fun playing the game, and he seems to be a guy that the teams can can rally behind. And so just, and then you start thinking about well, who plays where. Tavian robinson can of course in the slot um and he has been outside some this fall i think also trey turner outside didn't he play in the slot some as a freshman chris
1: oh uh, yeah. yeah yeah trey that that was one of the most impressive things about his freshman season he was so versatile
0: yeah. yeah and and caleb smith is listed as a starter at the at one of the outside spots and and if you want to go four wide you can bring James Mitchell out you know so i think i think as long as they have guys available and they don't suffer injuries
1: they've got enough pieces and they've got enough talent to be productive Mitchell played i forget the exact number but uh i put it in an article that will be i guess released wasn't it a couple hundred plus it was like 250 270 snaps in the slot in last the slot year. yeah like you wouldn't expect like Mitchell's 63 so you expect him to be an outside receiver right but in reality when he wasn't a tight end, he was a slot receiver for Virginia Tech last Hey, season. so
0: let me throw this out there. Look for um, – uh, let's go back and look at the running back depth chart. Look for Raheem Blackshear on the wheel route. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So look
1: for that uh, one. Out of, look out for play- him on the wheel route and look for the pop pass. Yes, yes, right. yes. Things, things that –
0: Man, those plays—if you pick the right time to run them—just destroy defenses. You don't want to overuse them so that the defenses are ready for them. But
1: no, of course, Charlie Wiles is is, is on the Charlie Wiles and uh, Brian, Mitchell Brian Mitchell are Mitchell. telling the the rest of the, their staff the exact same thing.
2: <laughs> Remember the pop pass against so, Wake Forest last year? I believe that was Terius Wheatley. It right? was his
1: only play of the season, and basically. then he fumbled then he at he the fumbled end of it. it right? Yeah, it was like a fifty-yard gain. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so real quick, uh, wrapping up with the receivers. So we talked about, of course, Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson. Give me one receiver's name out of the rest of the group that we just talked about that we think can really develop into a very productive player this year for Tech at the receiver position. Mm,
1: I would say Changa, Changa Hodge. I'm sorry, is that one of the names you Yeah, say? No, no it's okay. absolutely. I said uh,
2: besides, besides Turner and, and, and okay. Robinson. He's the one out of this
1: group besides those two that I would expect – Long term over the season to have the biggest impact. I don't know. It's hard to say how ready he'll be because you know he was a transfer. He he get didn't get he didn't start practicing until I don't know mid August probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then who knows who's been out and who hasn't? Like I, I could assume that he's been there every day, but I could be that that assumption could be wrong. Right? Yeah,
0: Virginia Tech quit sending photos. For you know, they were sending us what what are called pool photos that Dave Nagel was taking, and and they were distributing to the media because media was not allowed in to take photos at all. Um, and they sent us a lot of photos at first, and then that stopped about two weeks <laughs> ago, uh, which yeah. which sounds fishy and conspiracy theories type stuff. So you know, and and I think some of the video and pics they have been running are, are old stuff. I, I think they're kind of trying to hide who's who's there and who's. Who's, who's working out and all that sort of stuff. But,
1: you know, my, my guess would be Changa Hodge. So um,
0: so I'm, I'm looking at Caleb Smith, and, and I, I was mm-hmm. mystified that Caleb Smith, uh, once Damon Hazleton came back last year, Caleb Smith just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a super savvy football observer, but he's got good size. He's listed at uh, 6'2", 221. I thought his skills were good. And then when Hazleton came back, boom, Smith disappeared. So,
1: I, Well, I, obviously Damon Hazleton wanted the ball thrown his way. Yeah. I think there was a good I think they were just trying to do everything they could to keep him in the program, which mm. didn't work. But, all right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm going with, I'm going with uh, Caleb Smith caught what two touchdowns against Boston College in the opener last year. Was, and, yeah, uh, he had a really you know,
1: impressive catch for a touchdown in that game. Yeah.
2: So, uh, all right, so that's the receiving court, Let's go to the tight ends. Then we'll get to the offensive line and gosh, a lot of excitement with the tight end room as well. Uh, Dalton Keane leaves, but you've got James Mitchell the Jr. from Big Stone Gap, Virginia. Um And then Nick Gallo, I feel like is one of the players on offense we haven't talked a lot about, but everyone's always talking about Nick Gallo, is this the year for him? Uh, Before we get to James Mitchell, because we, we just talked about what he can do on offense... How important is Nick Gallo to this offense, and is he the guy that takes on the Dalton Keene role in the offense this year? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. Um, you know, Keene was the H-back, and, and Mitchell played a completely different role last year, even though they're both listed as a tight end. So who does play the Keene role? I, I would assume Mitchell continues on in kind of a similar role to what he was last year, and, and Gallo would take over that H-back role. That's my assumption. Virginia Tech used him in the run-blocking situations last year, played over 100 snaps, didn't really use him in the passing game at all. I think they tried
0: one pass, too.
1: Yeah, and and, and UVA, who had three weeks to prepare. They were parked all they over They parked all over it. Yeah. And, uh, yep, so uh, I'm anxious to see what, what kind of steps forward he's taking in the passing game, because I remember I asked a staff member before last season, I said, how many NFL tight ends you got? Expecting him to say two and Keen and Mitchell and he said three. And the third he was talking about was Gallo. Yeah. Like Gallo had only been practicing for a few days at that point and they, they already absolutely loved him. Um so yeah, I expect he's gonna play a big role. No question. Uh this is a position that could get thin if somebody gets hurt or Somebody get, goes out with COVID who, or contact who's, tracing. Who's next? Julius? I mean, Drake Julius, Yeah. Right. And then Panay would be fourth. And Panay is a true freshman from France who didn't get here in, because of travel limitations until well after practice began. <laughs> I got the urge to blurt out. Sacre bleu. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to resist that
0: urge uh, for however many years Wilfred's here. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> so, so Sorry, yeah. I kind of derailed the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> basically, if... if Either one of these guys gets hurt or goes out for any reason, it gets pretty thin. Yeah. Um, although I should probably have more confidence in Julius than that. Remember they uh, they tried to play Julius as a true freshman in 2017. Early in fact, they, in his career. they they did play him in mm-hmm. Boston College because they College. thought he'd be a good red zone threat, and then he immediately got hurt. So they reg- they put a medical red shirt on him. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Not really anything I can add to that, although although I see Nick Gallo as a more of a traditional tight end until we see him otherwise.
1: That's... Right. I mean, it seems like he would be that way, but like the, there's really only two positions in a Justin Fuente Brad Quarles. Well, besides the offensive line, like the H back position is as realistic as, as the quarterback position. Like there has to be an H back, right?
0: Yes, that's true. I remember him saying that. Right. But that's a very important part of his offense.
1: Yes. So, the, like just saying, "Oh, he's not really an H-backs. We'll play him as an inline tight end." Okay? That's, that's fine. Good, that's but, good but that means somebody still has to play h That's a good point. So, yep. one of those guys has to. I assume so. I assume it's going to be Gallo.
2: All right, let's transition to the offensive line, a unit. I think we're all kind of excited to talk about. We haven't touched on them a lot since uh, we, we've been doing some a couple podcasts here the last couple of weeks. But here are the projected starters. Uh, left tackle, Christian Darasaw. Left guard, Lucita Smith. Center, Brock Hoffman. Right guard, Brian Hudson. Right tackle, Luke Tenuto. That means Nestor, Janzy, Hoyt, Cannon, and Tyrell Smith. Are all listed as backups. So, Will, when you look at this offensive line, what jumps out to you?
0: When I look at the ten guys listed in the two deep at the offensive line, they've all played a lot of football. Depending on how you define a lot, mm-hmm. even Austin Cannon played a lot of football He's played time. over three hundred snaps in his career. Yeah, and that that is super exciting to to not be looking. First of all, when, when all of your starters have significant experience, that's great. But even looking at the backups and and not asking the question, who's that? Is that guy a walk on? You know, and, and, and so that's really exciting. And there's probably third level guys that, that, that we're not even seeing on the depth chart who have played some football too. So that's what I'm most excited about.
2: Yeah, I remember about a year ago about this point, we're talking about the offensive line and the freshman and Tenuta and Nestor playing. I feel Uh, like we're having a different conversation uh, about the offensive line this year compared to
1: last year. I was on the radio yesterday, and I was asked as a surprise, is it concerning that Doug Nestor's not in the starting lineup? And I was like, it's great that Doug Nestor's not in the starting lineup. Because I I think Nestor's a pretty solid football player and has a chance to be a really, really good football player. But look – It used to be Virginia Tech would roll out there, and I won't name any names, but everybody remembers these days where like 40% of Virginia Tech's starting offensive line was probably FCS level in talent. You didn't want them on the field, but they were starting and playing every snap. And even the other starters were kind of questionable to a certain extent, and throwing the fact that they were poorly coached. I mean, Virginia Tech's... Um, poor Logan Thomas. They almost got that dude killed yeah. half the time, and, and they got some almost got some other guys killed too. And uh, now I, I look, now I look at it, and I'm like, man, some of those guys tech were starting them. They wouldn't even be in the three deep now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- and this they, is and a, they were starters. Back they there. were starters. I mean, people expected Scott Leffler to do something with that, I mean, he had guys who couldn't start for James Madison blocking for his quarterback, and it was yeah. absolutely awful the talent level um this is impressive this is what Vance Weiss done or maybe it's not impressive maybe we we're just not used to it
0: maybe it's point. what every offensive line coach should be doing <laughs> you know? right
1: right I don't know but I I do think it's impressive um I am I feel very very good about this group um that's all I can say if if they're all together um of course sure
2: yeah last point before we step aside for a break. Brock Hoffman, listed as the starter at center, of course, transferred in from Coastal Carolina, was not granted immediate eligibility. Will, how fired up do you think Brock Hoffman is to get out there and hit somebody on Saturday?
0: Uh, About as fired up as I am to see him do it. Um, (laughs) He he made an interesting comment in the last media session. He said something about – he thinks in the long run it was better for him sitting out last year. He said I'm better a, to redshirt. Yeah, how said, about that? I
1: read that and I was like, "Yep." Says, Listen, I'm, I'm, most guys don't realize that until later. And, yeah, and, yeah. and
0: he, I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he basically said, "I'm a better football player right now than I would have been at this same point last year." Mm-hmm. So great to hear. You He's, know?
1: He talked about uh, living with Braxton Burmeister. Burmeister's from California. He's taught him a different diet. You know, so uh, so. He's eating more vegetables, more things things like that. I can tell you right now, that makes you feel a lot better, eating the right foods. I should
0: probably do that. (laughs) uh,
1: uh, uh, I mean, it's easier to get out of bed in the morning. You just have more energy, all that stuff. So I think Hoffman has retained his size, 317 pounds. He's a weight room warrior, but now he's a healthier 317 pounds. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that red shirt year was great for him. I think this red shirt here is... I can see Chris <laughs> Coleman smiling through see, his see, mask, through my right mask. Now. See, now I'm getting all fired up. We're now, actually talking football. No, think about it, man. This is, to, to a certain extent, like there's only two true freshmen on this entire two-deep for Virginia Tech. And Chris they're both, once again smiling for those listening. They're, they're both at the same position. And if it wasn't for Devin Hunter, whatever he did or didn't do, if it wasn't for Devin Hunter's situation, there would only be one true freshman on mm-hmm. the entire two-deep for Virginia Tech. We'd be red-shirting everybody. It's kind of sad that nobody has to redshirt this year because this is the year of the redshirt. But at the same time, it could be kind of like a double redshirt because they'll be true freshmen again next year, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you can play Lakeem Rudolph as much as you want this year and then redshirt him next year, which some spots is going to be a backlog of true freshmen. We're going to have, like, six true freshmen defensive ends next year. Wow. And that's not going to fly, of course. Some guys are going to not be here because of that. But
2: Uh one, one quick thing I want to add, actually, uh, in addition to the offensive line. Will, you've got Tyrell Smith listed as the backup left tackle, graduate student from North Brunswick, New Jersey. For those that might not know the Tyrell Smith story, just how long – has he been in the program, A, and B? How good is it to have someone like him in the locker room?
0: Uh, he played two years under Frank Beamer, I
2: believe. Remember there was
1: a Fab Five, the 2014 offensive yes, line recruiting yes. class, and then one of them decommitted and went to Ohio State, yeah. so it became the pa- Fab Four. Right. And he was one of the Fab Four. And,
0: so Billy Ray Mitchell, um, Tyrell Smith, I don't remember the other two guys.
1: Oh, one of them uh, – one of them ended up playing tight end. Some like he, they moved him to tight end for the Notre Dame game in 2016. And oh, uh, actually,
2: Colt, Colt Pettit? Yeah,
1: yeah, and he played really well as a tight end <laughs> yeah, in that game. Yeah, yeah. Play, had, so Tarmel's still blocks. around.
2: So he was a recruit in 2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He
1: went to prep school after that year of high school. That's right. So then he enrolled in like 20.
0: I think he may have even gray-shirted.
1: Yeah, but I don't. I don't. Know. So I
0: got into this discussion. This was months ago. Uh, who's older, Justice Reed or uh, Tyrell Smith? Because one of them, I think Justice Reed wished Tyrell Smith happy birthday on Twitter, and I said, "So settle this. Who, which one of you guys is older?" And I believe Justice Reed is older by by probably about three months. But these these two guys are old man. <laughs> Justice, what they said many times that he wishes he could just continue to keep the. The eternally eligible Tyrell Smith around. They really like
2: him. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, here's the
1: thing: this year doesn't count, so he could, he could come he back, could back could next year. We, we, <laughs> we could have two
0: eighth-year
2: seniors on the roster next he's, year. Him and Justice gonna, Reed.
0: I, I think he's going to be 25 next year. I think he's 24 right now. Oh, <laughs> it's amazing, yeah.
2: and it's it's amazing that there's still a Frank Beamer recruit and someone who played for Coach Frank Beamer on still the on team. roster in Yeah, How about that? We're going to step aside for a break here on episode 135 of the tech sideline podcast when we come back we take a look at the defense we get season predictions and of course we get to your questions on facebook live while previewing the nc state game this saturday you're watching and listening to episode 135 of the tech sideline podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm.
0: If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you
1: every step of the way.
0: We have the experience that
1: comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal
0: and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at fisherlegal.com.
2: This is Jonathan Fisher, class of 98, Let's go Hokies. Welcome back. Episode 135 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. So glad to have you with us. However you are listening or watching. He's Chris Coleman. That's Will Stewart. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. I'm Evan Hughes back with you. We're previewing North Carolina State, Virginia Tech in just a little bit. Continuing to take a look at position groups. We'll get to the defense in just a moment. But, when the Hokies take the field on Saturday, they're going to have to play hard, smart, tough football, and they're going to have to bring some grit to the field. Will Stewart, we've got grit gear all over the podcast and the new T-shirt that you're holding up right now. Look at that.
0: Pretty nice, huh? It's
2: a great shirt. So For our listeners, it's orange with uh, white letters of grit right across the chest, maroon outline
0: district brand 100 percent cotton feels very soft we haven't had a chance to try it on yet got it just uh, yesterday so if you go to the tech sideline website hit the menu do more our sponsors and look for uh, grit gear or if you're on desktop their, their ads are plastered all over the place and you can find it easily so hit those guys up and order some stuff they do have it in stock um i met i from what i understand there were some difficulties getting to the production phase but uh, they've got stuff in stock now and I think should be able to ship pretty quick so check out check out Evan's hat there Malcolm <laughs> thumbs up I like that. so the hats got swapped out they the the we had prototype hats and that hat is more of a more of a Virginia Tech maroon. I like that. And they have the black hat as well. So very cool.
2: Well, the black hat in front reminds me of the 2010 Nike Pro Combat uh, uniforms that was worn against Boise State, a game that we will not talk about. Of which because we shall not speak. Will does not. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyways, our thanks to Grit.
0: Yes. And also shout out to Tony Roby's Southeast Regional Training Center. Check out southeastrtc.com and for the first time ever we are going to start talking about campus emporium stuff on the podcast. So campus emporium has been a, a sponsor for a long time and um I can be a little slow in the uptake. I I finally hit him up and I said, "Hey, let's the the stuff that we're featuring on the website because we do a different featured item from campus emporium each week. Give it to me and and let me wear it on the podcast." So what you're seeing here is let me read the exact name of it. I'm, I'm sorry for the audio people, but listen anyway, because you should, you should go check this out. Um, this is a uh, Columbia super slack tied camp shirt that I'm wearing, all right? So it looks like a party shirt, right? Kind of looks like a Hawaiian shirt like you wear to a party. So I get this thing in and I start looking at it and uh, it's actually a Columbia PFG shirt, which is their performance fishing gear line. So this thing is vented in the back. It's got mesh. So what I'm saying is this shirt is here to party and it's here to fish. So you can fish all day and party all night in this shirt, although you should probably shower after fishing. But it's it's it looks comfortable it by the way. It is bizarrely comfortable. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's you can barely tell it's on. So it's so this this is a quality piece, $65 from uh, Campus Emporium. So go to their site and search on uh, camp shirt by Columbia and it'll, it'll come right up. You'll find it really quickly. Um, and I, I think that's all I wanted to say about it. Other than it's awesome.
2: Will's also got jeans on a nice watch. And certainly he's got the uh, nice shoes. I mean, he's so, got so to get I, I
0: wore the Vans cause I thought, I thought they go with the party look on the shirt. So.
2: Folks, before the podcast, sometimes I'll look over to Will's desk here uh, that's off camera and changing out you know, changing, out changing shoes. shoes. I mean, <laughs> Will comes prepared for these Tech Sideline podcasts, as does uh. Chris Coleman. Uh, let's get right back into it, and let's take a look at the defensive line for Virginia Tech. Hey, now, tech. wait a
0: minute. we got to do the song, song lyric. We've got to see if anybody oh, Okay, I was going to say that for the end, maybe with the Facebook. So, Malcolm, thing. did anybody get the song lyric? He's scrolling up through the uh, Facebook feed. Yeah, Eric Fisher and Joshua Odie got it. Josh, oh.
1: Josh, what's it like in England right now, buddy? <laughs>
0: Paul Thameset, got it. All right, so we'll t- hey. tell, the, tell the fans what it is. Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom has oh, got yeah. it going on. Oh, God, I love
2: that song. <laughs> I can't believe I missed that.
0: Yeah, it's from 2000. Um, it, you you would have gotten it if I had said the lyric as, I could tell she liked me from the way she stared, the way she stared, and the way she said, you missed a spot over there, spot over there. You would have gotten it if I'd done it that way. <laughs> I would have oh gotten it if you God. sang the lyrics. <laughs> I was listening to that song
2: yesterday. That is that is brutal. That I cannot. Oh that man, off. you I heard mean,
0: it yesterday. I didn't recognize. it. It's on my playlist. I just uh, sometimes the way the way there. it's read.
2: <laughs> Great song. Great yes. song. A lot of, um, a lot of fun. Two
0: thousand three.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. All right, there we go. There's our song lyric. Great to have that back with us here. Uh, Should we do the, the trivia podcast? also?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's go ahead. All right. So this this is random. Who is the shortest scholarship player on Virginia Tech's football roster? Shortest. Scholarship player in Virginia Tech's football
1: roster. <laughs> I'm going to use this depth chart. <laughs> uh,
0: he's cheating, and, and I discovered uh, this because I went and I looked at our. I just I finally put the 2020 roster on the Tech sideline website. It's under the football menu. And you can sort on all of the column headings, so you can sort by number, name, position, class, which is very cool for seeing how many true freshmen and, and redshirt freshmen, redshirt <laughs> redshirt freshmen. Can I guess? And, <laughs> but you can also sort by height. So I just clicked on the height and height, and I was looking, and I was like, like oh,
1: I'll guess Taj Gary, five eight.
0: Ding ding ding, oh, Taj Gary, five eight. There's a couple of guys who are five six, who I believe are both walk-ons. Yeah. Taj is five eight, and then there's a five nine, probably several five nine players. Yeah, I'm um, like the uh, Oh yeah. Herb, Herb, Herbert and, uh, backs, yeah, Herbert and Herbert and are both yeah. hosted at five nine, but Tosh Gary is all alone at five eight. Congratulations, Tosh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we've got it all. We've got the song lyric. We've got trivia. We've got a great show. We've got football this weekend. It's great to just sit here and talk football, as Will said a yeah. little bit earlier. Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's dive right back into it because I'm I'm just eager to talk about this defensive line. You brought him up. One of the older players on the roster, Justice Reed. He's one of the coveted uh, grad transfers that Virginia Tech had in the offseason. Uh, he's from Clearwater, Florida, Six three, two 255. He's the projected starter at left-side defensive end. Deshaun Crawford, a defensive tackle. Nose tackle, Gerard Hewitt. And right-side defensive end, Emmanuel Belmar. Uh, Will, I'll give you one word to describe Tech's too-deep defensive line. What word would you use to describe it?
0: I need two words, getting deeper. So, getting deeper as we go along, and and not even listed here is Robert Wooten, who has uh, gotten good reviews. Um, Amari Barno's not listed. Amari Barno's not listed. So, those are two guys that you could see. Um, I guess the fact that they're not listed on the two deep says you might see them in spot duty, certain situations, uh, particularly Barno. Um, but that that that's how that's how I would describe it as getting deeper. And let's see, you got a graduate there, a senior, a redshirt senior, and a redshirt senior so um they need to keep stuff in the pipeline yeah um, give me one
2: word chris how like, would you describe it i would say
1: experience um you got a seventh year senior at one defensive end spot a fifth year senior at another defensive end spot and they're both backed up by fourth year juniors um and then you've got a fourth year junior amari barno in there even though i wouldn't call him experience because he's playing his fourth different position in the last five years yeah um but Crawford and Hewitt are both seniors Pollard and and Hendrick Kendricks are true sophomores but they got a ton of experience last year so overall this is a very very experienced group uh, I feel better about it if Zion DeBose and excuse me uh if Ty Garbutt was back because yeah. you know DeBose missed last se- that season with that torn Achilles and it's hard to say how effective he can be coming off of that but You know, I I prefer to be a little bigger at the defensive tackle, but I I will pick guys who can play any day. Yeah, we already know Deshaun Crawford can play and and, and Gerard Hewitt. we know they could play in Charlie Wiles' Bud Foster system as far as what they ask defensive tackles to do. We don't know for a fact that they're a great fit for what Tech wants to do now. We don't know that Tech is going to do defensively like what they really want to do, or how much is going to be adjusted to the personnel that they have. It's, it's, this, rich, this is it's, the beginning
0: s- of a process, I think, for Justin Hamilton. Correct. Yeah, it yeah. it really really is. Um, and and you, and you hate to be there in the in the fifth year of your of your head coach's team I know and to kind of be starting over on on one side of the. Oh, ball. it's
1: it's it's, it's you replace two legends in four or five years. Yeah. It's tough for any fan base, yeah. right? Um. So, like, I'm happy for Justin Hamilton, and I also feel horrible for him because I, I've, <laughs> I've seen what the, some of the stuff Fuente takes criticism for compared to the, some of the stuff that Beamer didn't take criticism for. And I'm like, man, I I, I, so I hope our fans go a little easier on Justin Hamilton than they've gone on Justin Fuente yeah. for, for, for Hamilton's sake. But at any rate, I feel pretty good about this group, assuming they're all healthy, not quarantined, COVID free. Sure. All those qualifiers.
2: Well, for a first year defensive coordinator, he's got to love that he's got production back in his linebacking core, including Rayshard Ashby, uh, Dax Hollyfield, Allen Tisdale. Uh, the linebacking core, you know, Will, I feel like last year we spent so much time talking about how deep the receiving core was last year and the linebacking core. Do you still have that same feeling towards them this year and the linebacking core?
0: I do, and let's let's toss something out there that I think has been figured out, and, and Chris can back me up on this. Uh, you got, Of course, you got Rayshard Ashby at Mike and Dax or Allen Tisdale at Backer. Um, and I think the question has been answered, what if something happened to Ashby? And I think it's been answered that Dax would slide down to the middle. Yep. Um, and that they would play Tisdale at backer so uh, Fuente talked about this um, he didn't he say Dax has been practicing some at Mike Well he had to because he Ashby had to was out yeah <laughs> Dax Flat said there was there was one day where he went into the meeting room and he was the only guy
1: allowed in the building at the linebacker position. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so if this lets you know how difficult it is to hold a practice, just imagine all right you need two linebackers. Just to fill the starting defense, right? Well, Virginia Tech had one linebacker. i tried to picture point. Tracy
0: Clays and Dax Hollyfield in the room, and that's it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I was Clays, I'd enjoy that. Because you know, as, as I've said, Dax is a, a football meathead. You know? I'm sure that was a lot of fun.
2: Uh, how would you describe Rayshard Ashby to somebody who's never watched him play before?
1: As a guy, who I would
0: who you'd say never at,
1: guess was a look at
0: the numbers, right. and I don't mean his height and weight. Right, right, and a, time.
1: yeah, like he were, he's like the the linebacker version of Derek Hopkins. Yeah, I remember shortly after Derek Hopkins, uh, his career was over. He was in the parking lot of the spring game, and it was like him and Tyrod Taylor and Devon Morgan were all tailgating a couple spots over from me before spring game, and Hopkins. Like Tyrod and Morgan look like football players. Hopkins, you would never have guessed, had would have been an all-ACC defensive tackle. Like he was like 5'11", 300 pounds. You just, you just n- never would have guessed it. And Ashby's kind of like that as a linebacker.
0: He is the only Virginia Tech player that was voted first team all-ACC in the preseason, correct? That's correct. And, you know, I make this point over and over. This is not getting selected first team in the mid 1990s where there are eight teams in your conference. Mm-hmm. Particularly this year there's 15 teams yeah. in the conference. It
1: means out of 15 15 guys. Right. Well, honestly, yeah, I guess more. there's more. there's more of it than I guess they put three linebackers on that team and they don't think about whether inside linebacker, yeah, whether outside But you know, whatever. Uh I didn't look I didn't look at the voting breakdown. But it's one of the Out of 40-ish starting linebackers in the ACC, he's considered to be one of the three best, Mm -hmm. which is very impressive.
2: All right, let's transition to the secondary that was supposed to be headlined by a potential top-ten pick in Caleb Farley. Of course, he declared early for the 2021 NFL draft. So the secondary without Caleb Farley, how would you describe it, Chris Coleman? Then. And
1: actually even thinner than this depth chart thinner than we implies thought. because I've heard, I wrote this in an article a couple of weeks ago, so I'm comfortable saying it now. I've heard Jermaine Waller hasn't practiced at all. Still suffering from that foot injury that he got before the ball. In fact, yeah, I've not, heard.
0: Now to be be fair, we heard hasn't practiced at all like two two or three weeks ago. We heard that. We're not sure about I recently. heard it again. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. I heard he hasn't practiced since the ball. Yikes. Since before the bowl, so like he's not playing, in my opinion. So you're going to have Armani Chapman in one spot and either Beyond Murray or Devin Breon, Taylor right. at the other. Okay. So for last year, of Virginia, and this is another reason I, I hate this year for Justin Hamilton. His first year as Texas defensive coordinator, he was supposed to have the two best cover corners in the ACC, and now he's got neither one of them, most likely,
0: and two of the best cover corners in the country, really. right? Exactly. If, if you go by PFF grades, yes. Yeah.
1: And well, I mean, all you got to do is watch him play. They were two of the best last year and now he's not going to have either now he's out his starting rover on top of that um so it's just not it hasn't set up well for him and that's unfortunate i also feel bad for ryan smith who comes to virginia tech from jmu assuming he's going to be coaching the two best cover corners in the country arguably and now he's coaching neither one of them yeah right so but that that, that said i mean I, i thought armani chapman was very good as a redshirt freshman last year we we now know why Virginia Tech jumped all over Devin Taylor so quickly. Now that I know what I know about Waller, um, thank goodness Virginia Tech started recruiting JUCOs again, and they were we could bring in Breon Murray. You know, before last season, otherwise they'd they'd, they'd really be in bad shape right now at the cornerback spot. Um, I, I I I think they'll be pretty serviceable there. Um, I think Shamari Conner's really good. Um divine diablo if he if he can just get consistent i'm not asking that he be a star just you don't know what which divine diablo to expect he like he was really good against notre dame last year and and a couple of other games but then there were others where you're like i i just don't know what the scouts see because he had an awful game Mm -hmm. um I'm not asking him to be a 10 out of 10 every game. Just get me a solid 7 out of 10 performance on a, on a weekly basis. And I really think that would go a long way towards solidifying things in the secondary if he can get consistent. I really like Keontae Jenkins long-term.
2: Now let's talk about that rover yeah. spot real quick. Well, so Keontae Jenkins looks to be the – replacement uh, for Devin Hunter at the Rover spot. He's a freshman from Jacksonville, Florida. And then you've got LaKeem Rudolph, freshman from Virginia Beach, right behind him at that Rover spot. Uh, how important is it now to have guys like Diablo and other guys in that secondary step up to help that that position with some youth there?
0: Wow, it's it's uh, something that I didn't grasp until just now looking at the depth chart is it's Rover, and Rudolph's listed at 6'4", and Jenkins is listed at 6'3". They, yeah. th- those are tall guys. Uh, do you know right off the top of your head what Devin Hunter was? Six
1: foot. Wow. We're on the dot, yeah.
0: And typically your Rovers have been – Reggie
1: was six foot, too. Yeah, or you know. Or six foot also, excuse not, me. Not that not six too.
0: Now, they're only listed at 215 and 195, respectively, because, you know, they're freshmen. Um, but Chris and I were watching film of uh, – so, so, first of all, Rudolph, I remember last year when he was recruited uh, – they, they thought they'd gotten a steal, that they thought he was a guy who, who was lightly regarded that they think can be a good player.
1: Remember, Rudolph was in a car accident yeah. and, and during the recruiting process. Yeah. And that, that will derail th- that your will recruitment. That will derail your recruitment, yeah.
0: But we were watching uh, Keonta Jenkins' high school film yesterday, and, man, you know, he, 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 he hits hard. He closes fast, sideline to sideline. The physical talent is there.
1: And he was in Jacksonville, Florida, too. It's not like he was in some place where college scouts don't go. Yeah,
0: so Chris is a little mystified by how he was was relatively lightly recruited because the film is good, the size is good, and the physical talent is good. So, you know what what will happen probably if he has to man that starting spot all season long is that uh things will start to show up on film where you can take advantage of him because he's learning the position right that might not be obvious to nc state first time out of the gate or they may decide they are going to pick on him you know it's just hard to say because there's just no film on virginia
1: tech out uh, it's, it's okay that he's at rover you can hide a, an experienced guy at rover as long as the guys around him play well. Like R- Reggie Floyd, 2017, Reggie Floyd's best season was as, a, was as a sophomore because he was surrounded by great players. Yeah. I mean, Edmonds was playing free safety. Uh, Strowman, two NFL corners, three NFL corners if you count Adonis in yeah. there. Um, so you kind of hide Floyd. Yeah. Uh, I, if you had Farley, if you had Waller, and if you could convince me that Diablo was going to be consistent, I'd feel fine with Jenkins at Rover because I know he'd have really good players around him. We could hide him a little bit, but there's there's too much unknown here. <laughs> um, but, no, I've, I'm a little bit concerned, to be honest, because we're going to play more zone, in my opinion, under <laughs> Justin Hamilton. The zone is about – it's kind of like playing quarterback. It's about being in the rhythm. It's about – Getting used to the playing next to the guy. Uh, it's like, okay, so you're a cornerback. you got to get used to playing next to that rover or next to that free safety because you pass off guys in coverage as one guy moves from your zone to the other zone. It's, You've like, got, it's
0: like zone blocking on the offense. Right, right. Line. You've you got to be
1: in sync. Your timing has to be really good. And with Virginia Tech's, the choppiness of Virginia Tech's practices, you know, taking four days off, sometimes guys are there, sometimes guys are not there uh guys who were expected to be on the team or not on the team Devin Hunter suspended right in the middle of practice basically and Jenkins getting thrown into the fire so you've got there there's no way that secondary has been able to get into a rhythm or get used to playing with each other I, I think Chamari Connor and Devon Diablo both playing together on the wide side of the field should be very used to playing next to each other but everybody else is not and that that's a major concern um Major, major concern. And, so, I, and I think we've seen some defenses in the ACC that's shown up. That's shown up uh, with, with pass defense.
0: There's a lot of points being rung up against bad bad coverage now, and, and bad reads. The other side of guys. that
1: is, you know, I watched – when I was at the gym last Saturday, I watched the Oklahoma State-Tulsa game mm. – and it was like three to nothing late in the second quarter. That's Oklahoma State and Tulsa. I think like seven three goals. That game wound right. up 16-7.
0: It right. wasn't a high scoring right.
1: game, right? And that's shocking. I, I, you expect those team two teams to both score fifty points, right? Uh, so, so I don't know. We'll see. But that is a concern. I will say, at least we're not opening it up against Trevor Lawrence or UNC or somebody like that because I don't. I I think it's less likely that Bailey Hockman lights Tech up through the air yeah. so i attack is not getting off to they're not facing a juggernaut in the passing game to start off with and i think that's a good thing
0: let's go ahead and, so one last thought about keonta jenkins I, I i thought one of the things that reggie struggled with at times was run fits reading where the run was going and, and making the proper fit and that led to some big plays if, if jenkins is better at reading the run from watching his high school film he certainly looks physical um, if he's better at reading the run and being in the right spot, that'll help. But then you get into the passing game issues that Chris just discussed.
2: Uh, quickly, don't want to spend a ton of time, but uh, you've you returned Brian Johnson, redshirt senior kicker, and you've got senior Oscar Bradburn at punter, John Parker Romo, uh, kickoff starter uh, holder will be Bradburn. Shadley's back as the long snapper. Oh, yeah. then, uh, senior, 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 yeah, I, senior, I, I think senior. That's Except for a,
1: Shadley, who's a junior. Yeah. So you could, I mean, they're, look, they're seniors, but you could have them back next year. You're gonna be super seniors next year. Just a year. quick thought right. on the special teams. All you guys right. feeling good about all the Told all the great, returners? Feel great about uh, the kickers. Feel great about Parker Romo. He got a scholarship for how well he prances. we his kickoffs. <laughs> boing, boing, boing. <laughs> uh, but no, he's great. Um, impressive that he was able to step in as a punter at the last second for Bradburn last year. I know Fuente loves to point that out. Um, love Robinson as a punt returner. And then Keshawn King at kick returner. like Keshawn King at kick returner, but if if he's so small that if somebody catches him wrong, he's also got, but, but got how the,
0: big is kick returner anymore? Like not nah, hardly any kicks get returned. The, you yeah, know? yeah, but
1: but, but the, honestly, that makes it more important. You get so few opportunities. You might get two chances every two or three games to actually return a kick, so you want to have somebody there. Who can actually Potentially turn that Into a big play You are right
2: though Kick return is certainly Over the years I'm
1: worried You're right Become less and less Important Uh, Absolutely Um, That's why I used to hate it When like Like Tech used to Blow red shirts on Like they blew like Devin Hunter's Red shirt and and Dylan Rivers red shirt when they were true freshmen playing him on the kickoff team and they just sit there and watch they Joey. They just get the jog down the field and watch Joey slice kick sell <laughs> through the end zone. Oh, God. there goes your red shirt. You know, that's that was ridiculous. <laughs> now nah, at least we don't have to don't have to uh, deal with that. Uh, or at least it had the four game rule helps as far as that goes. Yeah. But feel, right. overall on the whole feel great about special teams. Feel
2: good about special teams. We're an hour into the podcast and we gotta talk about North Carolina State. Wolfpack coming off a 45-42 win against Wake Forest in their first game of the season. They ran for over 200 yards. I know that's something that Justin Fuente brought up in his press like conference on yep. Monday. Yeah, I mean they absolutely ran the ball really well. So, Chris, given everything that's going on with Virginia Tech, um, their first game of the year, what should we expect from the Wolfpack? Have already played a game so far this year. You
1: know, it's it's hard to say. Like, like my suspicion is that. Is it Wake Forest isn't any good this year? I'm shocked at except how except for Boogie Basham, I, I, he's good. Right? I'm shocked how well they played offensively, considering they lost their NFL quarterback and their NFL wide receiver. But on the whole, I, I, I don't. Th- I think their defense is bad. Um, so I don't know fully what to think of NC State. I do think their their running backs are good. Persons Donovan Knight, Jordan Houston. Uh, Tech recruited Knight, I believe, to a certain extent. I really wish they had gone all in on Jordan Houston from Northern Virginia, because I think he's he could really help Tech. He a looks lot. good, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trent Penix is a guy who I think would be playing H back for Virginia Tech. He's he's a he's a redshirt sophomore running back at, at NC State. Actually, he started a game as a true freshman as a tight end a couple of years ago because NC State was out of tight ends. But this was a guy Tech offered. If you look at, at 247, he's actually predicted 100% to Virginia Tech. And then he, he's from Raleigh, went to NC State. Tech didn't know whether he was going to play be a tight or excuse me a running back or a wide receiver, so they didn't. Uh, I don't think they really went all in on him. Uh, But I wish they had, because I think he'd be helping as a tight end now, in my opinion. But I look down their roster, and I see some names that I recognize, like those guys I just mentioned. Um, Aleem McNeil at Noseguard came down to Tech and NC State. He was from Raleigh. Uh, He was 275 pounds when he was recruited. Now he's 6'2", 320. The ironic thing is, you know, he really liked Charlie Wiles. And Charlie Wiles, and I also – thought that Elaine mcneil was a great fit for virginia Tech's system i thought he'd play at around 295 pounds had that twitch all that now he as it turns out he is playing for charlie wiles but he's playing in a completely different system this i mean this is three defensive linemen three linebackers and five defensive backs three three five
0: is yeah it, is it called that the stack is that right
1: Uh it can be yeah um, that, that's what Rich Rod ran out of. You're more for offenses. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes look, I'm sure this, uh, sure one of these linebackers maybe can line up as a stand-up defensive end or one point. Uh, who, who knows? But but anyway, uh, it's it's first-year defense, you know, because they fired their defensive coordinator, brought in a whole new defensive co- uh, defensive coaching staff, as we saw. As two of Virginia Tech coaches are now on this staff. Mm-hmm. I uh. Peyton Wilson is a was a five star linebacker that Tech really wanted. I believe he was committed to UNC at one point and then decommitted to go to NC State. So, I like Peyton Wilson. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Just I'm, I'm a Peyton of Wilson that. fan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't think it's a good defense on the whole. Uh, I don't think it's bad, but but I don't think uh, I don't think Wake should have let him up like they did. Now, what we it's fair to say that a few weeks ago NC State was in a position that Tech is in now. Right, so we don't know how much practice who was had. We do know they finally got their full team back and played a game early next yeah. week.
0: At, at the time that they were, at the time they postponed the game with Tech, I think they had forty-five guys available yeah. to practice, right? And they were up to hundred and five like two weeks ago.
1: Right, which means Tech will be fine like two to three weeks from now. Here's the problem: Tech actually has to play games, and NC State spent most of their time not having to play games when they were when they, when were, they had all their, their, their issues. Yeah, yeah so. So, it's, I, I think I think if both teams were I think Tech I think that 11 point opening line is completely Fair if both teams Were at full strength like I, I would pick Virginia Tech to win this game by Double digits and probably Fairly handily But that's not the situation It's I'm not the
2: situation with. but we're not going to do season predictions But I am going to ask you Chris Coleman and Will Stewart To close mm-hmm. a game prediction With a okay. score
1: Okay um, oh gosh a score also I, i'm not confident to be honest with you uh, and i would encourage people don't get angry about this game whatever happens because we're not tech is not ready to play nah. we're, we're we we kind of have to play at some point you have to play for tv revenue uh and I, i'm guessing the acc is sharing all revenue equally but the more games don't get played i'm guessing that's the less money that espn transfers into the acc's bank account again i've
0: never seen anything written about this what is happening not just the acc but around the country what is happening Well, i'll tell you what
1: espn is not going to pay for games they're not getting not
0: not broadcasting right
1: right exactly so you 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 got to start playing them like notre dame canceling this weekend that costs everybody money right um that, that that's just the way it is so at some point you got to start playing i don't so, so
0: a couple of things go through my mind sorry to interrupt but i want to get a couple of things off off my off my mind um <clears throat> I, I i don't think justin puente really wants to play this weekend i wouldn't but i think if you wait it gets even worse you, cr- you, you fall exactly. further behind i think he understands that that he's, he's going into battle you know half man he's manned but I think he also feels he needs to get his team on the field and start playing some football.
1: You know, I think they're going to get some guys back this week, uh, some key guys as the week goes on. Guys that maybe if you were opening up against Liberty, you're like, okay, we won't play them because they're not ready. But I think they're going to play them against NC State, but I don't think there's a good option. You either play the starter who hasn't been practicing or – or you play the backup who's not as good, who has been practicing, right? I think that's okay at certain spots. I think that's okay at quarterback because I think Braxton Burmeister's good. I don't think that's... I don't think you can do that at, like, wide receiver or, or defensive end or, or some of the other spots on this team. Yeah. Um, so I'm... I, what I'll... I'm going to choose... This is how I th- think I'll feel. I, I don't know how I'll feel in the heat of the moment or the next day. What What I'll try to do is, like, there will be positive moments in the game, and that's what I'll hang on to. Not not to the final score, um, but this is probably not going to go well for Tech. Um, yeah. I, sh- 31-20 NC State.
0: Um, I, I don't, I don't even really want to make a prediction. I mean, I'll kind of agree with 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 what he said with the general so. gist of it, you know. And and but nothing would surprise me. I
1: agree. Uh, I would not be surprised if Tech won, but it's, we don't even know who's been practicing. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so it's it, it's hard enough, quote unquote, predicting things and and this year it's even harder, you know. Um so uh, uh another comment that went through my head that which has nothing to do with this particular game but uh watching television the first uh 3 or 4 weeks of the season I felt like when when the Big 10 and uh excuse me when when the Big 12 and the ACC were basically the only two conferences playing early in the season I thought that would lead to increased exposure f- for the ACC, and it really didn't. Yeah, ESPN, ABC made the decision to put a lot of a- ACC games on the ACC network, even to the point of having Sunbelt games on at night on the main ESPN channels well, while there's a good ACC game on over on the ACC network.
1: So and and it, of course, it doesn't help that Tech and UVA, which was supposed to be the night game, the nationally televised game, doesn't get But played. that got
0: replaced with Miami and Louisville. That's fair. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, but I just didn't see as I, I made some crazy statement on the boards like, man, you're going to see Duke and Wake. On on ABC or ESPN, no. No, there were actually good games in the ACC that they shuffled over to the ACC network. And supposedly that was part of some strategy to pressure Comcast into coming on board, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, But yeah. but of course, if you look at this weekend's listings, ABC, ESPN, all day long is SEC, SEC, yeah. SEC. Every SEC game. Are we on the ACC? Network? I was about to say
2: Tech, North Carolina State, eight o'clock kick on the ACC network. I'm ready for uh, some tack glasses. Come and up it'll, <laughs> it's a great crew. We've got Dave O'Brien, uh, uh, Matt Hassel, uh, Tim Hasselbeck, and um, and uh, Katie George. So met the, uh, the, met the, Tim
0: Hasselbeck at the Belk Bowl last year. Really nice guy.
2: Yep, I think yeah. he's terrific in his yeah. analysis too. So yeah. uh, looking forward. Dave O'Brien's a great play-by-play guy as well. So, so
0: Hasselbeck, we talked about this on one podcast. Hasselbeck told me that he he lifted weights with Fuente. They were here for a game, and I guess he worked out with him, you know. And we, we were kind of talking about how Fuente is in front of the press, and Hasselbeck's like, Well, I worked out with him, you know. And if you're working out with him, he opens up. I was about he, to say, Oh, yeah." <laughs> I feel like that's a great way to
2: gain trust, media coach, work out with somebody. Dude you know?
0: likes so. to work out. Yeah. 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 He does, I man. The, the results are like, you know. So, I,
1: like, I don't know how, like, I don't know if like any of his players i don't i don't get the sense that like any of his players are scared of him like he, he's a big guy and, and he seems kind of foreboding and everything like that but i think maybe he maybe he should be a little meaner to him because i think some <laughs> of them would be scared of him uh, i mean he's a big he could outlift most of them i, just, I asked <laughs> yeah. him
0: in one, in one of the earliest press opportunities last year i, I lobbed him up a softball i was like uh, coach you know you're you're definitely looking a lot bigger, more buff, man. What's So tell us about the workout regimen. And, and he looked at me like I'd grown another head. <laughs> he's, he's just not a guy who can, again. He was surprised at the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He,
2: Spe- <laughs> speaking of questions, the best producer in the line has waited an hour and 16 minutes. To get to him. He is Malcolm Stewart. Uh, I'm curious to know what questions we have from uh, Facebook Live and comments. We covered a lot of ground today, episode 135 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. So, Malcolm, what you got for us? What's going on?
0: Now, wait a minute, Malcolm. he got to do the floating head. He he, yeah. he had been avoided doing the floating head recently, I think. Uh, we'll start with Dale Kaiser. What teams have impressed you and what
2: teams have been a disappointment so far in the ACC?
1: Uh, 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 well, I wouldn't say that Florida State has disappointed me because I'm never disappointed when Florida <laughs> State's not good, but uh, but they're a disappointing team, I would say. <laughs> uh, Georgia Tech, considering they have a true freshman quarterback, I know they got smoked pretty bad in the second half against UCF, uh, but I think they're, they're on their way forward. Yeah, now, granted, the their one up, win now. is against Florida State.
0: Again, how do you interpret NC State and Wake? How do you interpret I, right, Georgia like, and Florida
1: like State? In, like NC State. it was impressive that they could win a game against a team that had already played while they hadn't played. But at the same time, I just don't think Wake is any good this year. Um, Uh. So I think it's too early to tell. It's especially too early to tell since you don't even know what guys have been available. Like, We've heard somebody on our board is pretty well connected down in the in the Chapel Hill area, and he's heard that you know UNC had a bunch of guys out back when school opened up, Mm -hmm. and remember they shut down their program around the same time NC State did, um, but they weren't playing a game, and you know they they had the luxury of playing a bad team in week one, so.
0: I am draw, drawing it, a blank who it, was it? it was Syracuse.
1: Okay. Oh gosh. I oh. mean UNC could send half their team up there and, and get an easy win over Syracuse. You yeah. know, the Syracuse yeah. just isn't any good. And but at any rate, it hit UNC in the preseason, right? And they had time to get over it. If it hit, if it hit them right now, they'd be taking the criticism right now. Yeah. And Virginia Tech would not. If, if the if the schools if the school openings had been opposite, so I would I would be tempted to say that UNC looked disappointing in week one. But I'm using them as an example of. It's not fair to say who's been disappointing and who hasn't so far. As you, so far, because you don't know which guys each team has had available to practice. Like, yeah. if, if if UNC got hit hard around when NC State did, that means they had half their team out for 10 to 14 days. Yeah. And so they went – but they still played in week one, right? So they weren't ready to play Syracuse, and that's why they didn't look good for the first three quarters. That That's possible. So I don't think you can really judge too many teams this year because you don't know. Now, I'm going to – now it's important to say that like and I think a lot of tech fans will say uh, we'll, we'll say that for other teams, but when Virginia Tech looks bad this weekend they're not going to let it be an excuse they're gonna be like oh yeah you fire everybody right so, so. so
0: I, I think uh, I think Miami's look pretty good Clemson's Clemson they look great. yeah yeah uh, Syracuse is is they' they're falling off the cliff. interesting stat about Syracuse they gave they uh, gave up 44 sacks last year which I think was last in FBS. And they have given up 14 sacks in two games. So their offensive line is a mess. The, the defense has gotten a little better. Um, you know. Defense has been better. They're, been they're under a lot of pressure. Um, other teams I can't really judge all that much. Um, uh, I, I was surprised that
1: Duke played as well against uh, Notre Dame. They're right. But then two. Duke looked bad this past week against yeah. Boston College. Boston yeah. College handled them easily. I'll
2: go ahead and say I think the, uh, the, the dark horse in the ACC uh, is Pitt. I mean, they I get it. Austin P. You know, they won fifty five nothing. They beat Syracuse twenty one ten. I think that defense is legit. And I tell you what, if Kenny Pickett's play well, I'm telling you, oh, well, I, their
1: defense is definitely legit. Their defense was legit. I, I think the defense is year. better than last year oh, already rough. off the. Well, I think it, it didn't have to get better. The defense didn't already, have to get yeah. better. It was always good enough. Can they run the football? Yes, because and, Pitt, and they could not last. I'll, they could not run the football lick last year.
2: I'll go ahead and say this: they play Louisville at home this week at noon. I'm taking Pitt to beat Louisville. I think they're going to move to three, and I'm telling you, I think the Panthers are going to be a team to look out for. In the you ACC. know,
0: so so watching Louisville and Miami, there, there are some players on Louisville's team that scare me. That quarterback scares mm-hmm. me, and the Cunningham. running, running, yeah, and the running back Hawkins is that his name? Don't know. I can't remember, but man, he's scary. But but yet, Miami handled them fairly He's Not not those individual guys. They handled the Louisville team fairly easily.
1: Well, they scored a bunch of points. Yeah.
0: Right? Yep. So, Louisville Louisville's defense. defense. Yep.
2: What else you got for us, Mal? Good question. I appreciate it because ACC's been fun to watch this year. A lot of stories.
0: All right. From Justin Thomas, after listening to Coach Fu's optimism during Tech Talk Live, what is the probability we play Saturday night? I think we said 75. 75%. I said 75% earlier. Um, Turning in the right direction. Yeah
1: yeah he's he's always positive around laser because him and laser are friends, and they get along and everything like that yeah. so so listening to Fuente on Tech talk Live is a lot different than listening to Fuente on his normal Monday. his body press language conference. on the
0: Monday press conference was poor when he was talking right. about our chances to play and then and then Monday night he's all
1: upbeat with Laser, so it right. may just be the venue. Right. Oh, it's uh, he's 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 one of those. He's, he's honestly the guy's just like me. Like I'm I'm not comfortable around somebody unless I really know him. Right. right? Um. So he's but he's very very comfortable around Laser. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Um. Any more, Malcolm? I know you said we had two. I think that's it. I'll go ahead and close with one final question. I know we're running a little long, but a lot to get in before the game on Saturday. Uh, Charlie Wiles returns to Lane Stadium. We had hinted at it a little bit as the defensive line coach for North Carolina State. He's been with the program since the 90s. How weird will it be to see Wiles coaching against Virginia Tech?
1: It would be awfully strange for sure. I mean, let's see. Think about it, man. 1996. From 1996 through 2019, he was Virginia Tech's defensive line coach. Um, Bud Foster's entire tenure is full. full defensive coordinator. And Bud's first year ninety five as co defensive coordinator, it was Todd Grantham as the is the yeah. defensive line coach. So every single year Bud served as Virginia Tech's defensive coordinator in full, Charlie Wiles was his defensive line coach. That's incredible to think about. Um there just hasn't been that many partnerships like that throughout the history of college football. Um I guess it's no real surprise that it ended so abruptly when when, when Bud retired um but everybody who's ever met charlie wiles likes charlie wiles yeah, he's a yeah. uh, he's a guy who's great for chemistry funny guy always in good spirits dave, just, dave, just dave doran, yeah
0: dave doran said words to the effect of charlie lightens up the room yeah that there's he, no question about he probably that. brings something to that coaching staff that they didn't have i mean doran doran's a pretty i haven't watched him a lot but every time i see him he's very uh even keeled you know uh somber's not the word I'm looking for. Serious is probably. So <laughs> I'm sure Charlie brings some stuff to that coaching staff that right. they didn't have. I, th- I think you're I think Charlie's more old school. I think you're more modern coaches. You know, Charlie came along when there wasn't that much money in coaching. Yeah. You know, and, and but you, you look at the guys today who are coming along today. There's a huge amount of money in it. There's an immense amount of pressure. So they just I just think as a group, they tend to be more serious. About what they do.
1: Charlie probably started when he probably was making like fifty or sixty grand when he first started coaching. Well, I,
0: I know that when that when Ricky Bussell came and went as offensive coordinator, and uh, um, uh, who's the guy that was a tra- Gary Gary Tranquil uh, Tranquil. When all that was going on, I remember reading Hokie Huddlers at the time. Those guys were offensive coordinators and they were only making sixty five or seventy grand a year. Oh jeez. So yeah, Wiles is making like fifty. fifty tops. Yeah. Forty five, fifty grand a year, yeah. you know. You got into coaching because you, you liked it and right. you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You didn't get into it because there was a crap ton of money, you right. know, and and you didn't have the pressure because the avenues to apply pressure were just not as numerous. Absolutely. You know, uh, the fans might call into the radio show and criticize, but that was it. You didn't have social media sure. bearing down on you and all that sort of thing. Sorry to go home. No, like
2: that. no. I, I think it's a great way to to, uh, to wrap things up. And, I, you know, when I've asked this question in the past, sometimes we don't really know, but we do know we have a game this week. So Chris Coleman... That means there's got to be a game preview coming up on techsideline.com. Yes. So what, what do we have coming
1: up? I started taking notes on it yesterday. I'll write it this afternoon. It'll be ready to ready to run tomorrow. Um, what else do we have coming up? Friday Q&A. Uh... Gosh, I can't remember.
0: We should probably run the VTEM Hokey 85's trailer on the site.
1: Oh, yeah. He so, did so for do one, people did he? that
0: are not yeah. on Twitter and Facebook who haven't seen it, he's, right. he's got his annual
1: trailer. We, we should toss that up there. It's kind of hard for me to, like, I did see that he posted it now that I remember, and I didn't watch it because, like, every Virginia Tech football trailer, there's, it heavily involves the crowd and Inner Sandman and – and and lane stadium and how loud lane stadium is and all that stuff and well it's just not going to be this year is it so yeah i've, I've
0: watched tim's trailer and and i believe it, it's got a voiceover speech i think it's the rock um <laughs> i don't know what movie right um but uh i don't remember seeing a lot of crowd type stuff so he may have adjusted right, for that. right i guess i'll you, go take you another look have
1: to this year because there's
0: yeah you can't emphasize that be. part
1: of it yeah
2: All right, well, we nearly went 90 minutes, so thanks for uh, going a little bit long. Certainly a a lot we got through today with all these Position previews do that. Yep. And uh, football football is back. And, again, Virginia Tech, NC State, 8 o'clock kick on Saturday in Lane Stadium. We'll have a full breakdown next week uh, on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Gentlemen, any closing thoughts before we sign off?
0: Uh, let's just get a game in. Let's get yeah. this thing going, man. And, and I think Fuente feels the same way. I think he hates going in with one hand tied behind his back, but I think he knows he needs to.
1: Uh, I think playing this weekend, short term, it's going to suck, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Long term, it'll be better for us than it would be if we waited yet another week.
0: Well, maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll go out and he'll have some stuff but for crap, because like
1: As I said, I don't think NC State's very good. Oh, and
0: Fuente teams tend to come out of the gate pretty good. Not yeah, all, you know.
1: Well, they, they do that because they've had the offs they know who they're gonna play and they spend the off season game planning yeah, for yeah. Florida State. I mean, this is their third third different opener this year. From Liberty to NC State NC State T V A and, and now NC State, State. again. Nice. And they spent a lot of their off season preparing for Penn State. Yeah. So, you know, originally they weren't were they gonna play NC State at all this year? On the original I don't schedule. So, no, so. so they didn't yeah. spend any time in the offseason preparing
2: for this yeah. like they have their openers in the yeah. past. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, again, be sure to check out Chris's uh, game preview and everything on techsideline.com. That'll do it for us. Episode 135 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. For our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 135 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you next time. Hokies, have a great week.